Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You know, he did as well say that all of the evidence that is needed to convict is available. Like he, he said not to focus on what, what's not available. He should con- concentrate on the evidence before them rather than the matters that are not available to them. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. As the prosecution and defence gave their closing speeches in the murder trial of no long accused in the 1981 death of Nora Sheehan, we look at the final comments given, the overall evidence and what we expect to happen next. I'm Chloe Domini and today I'm speaking to Nal Donald about what I've seen and heard in court this week. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. So we had the closing speeches yesterday, Clodagh, um, and just for people who don't know how a murder trial works, both the, the prosecution and defence laid out kind of their summary of the cases. Um, and then today we'll have the judge will sum up the case, give some legal directions, and then the jury could in theory go out today. So we really are approaching the end of, of the case. The prosecution sort of laid it out that it was... Um, you know, they, they laid out a couple of really key bits of evidence, didn't they? They focused in on a couple of things. They did, yeah. So I guess yesterday we start off with the, the prosecution's closing speech. Mr. Um, Brendan Grehan for, was the senior counsel for the prosecution for the state. And he started his speech by summarising the fact that the case happened 42 years ago. So at the time, the accused no long was 32 years of age. He's now 74. This happened in 1981. He was only charged with the murder in 2021. Um, and he kind of spoke to the jury about the unfairness that, that they might feel some unfairness about some putting somebody on trial for something that happened so long ago. But he did specify that there is no statute of limitations on murder charges. Yeah. So like a statute of limitations would be people are really used to seeing it from TV where there's there's very strict sort of statute of limitations in the US where if you're not charged within a set ten, period of time, say five to 10 years, the case can't be brought. Like in Ireland, it's certainly in, in serious uh, sex charges or mm-hmm. in murders, there's no statute of limitations. So, but they do reckon, the court does then recognize that, that there was kind of, that can be unfair or that, you know, that 
that can be an issue in the case, but it does ultimately say there is no time limit. So he did address that, did he? That, that Absolutely, yeah. I mean, they did also address the fact that because of the delay in the case, I mean, this was addressed earlier on during, um, during some of the trial, the fact that it was, it is a little bit older. I mean, the, the case, you know, it went, only went to the serious crime review team in 2008. Um, there was previously a law from 90, that was only brought into place in 1992 that meant anyone who was deceased their evidence can be brought forward into a trial. So only when that came into play, now it's, you know, they can have evidence from the photographer who's dead, the doctor who did the original post-mortem, that evidence can kind of, well, it didn't really come into the trial because they didn't sign his report, but it yeah. could have. Um, evidence from witnesses as well who's passed away, that's been able to come in. Whereas if somebody had died um, and this came to trial before then, you know, it wouldn't have been able to brought, be brought into the case, the evidence, yeah. especially given the age of the case, the fact that, I mean, we had one um, one person on the stand was in their 90s. Yeah. You know, the, we've got other people in their 80s who were on the stand. And again, that was something that was addressed in the, in the defence. This is closing speech, which is something that we can get on to. But in this case, um, it was it was highly scientific. Like a lot of the evidence is based, is around DNA and it's around debris as they, as they label it from Noel Long's car being found on various items of clothing belonging to Nora Sheehan. So it is very scientific. And, you know, Grehan did point out that DNA profiling, it can exonerate people as much as it can, you know, um, indict people on charges. Um, you used the word inculpate, did he or something? He did, yeah, yeah. Uh, I took it down as incubate. Incub- I was like, I'll look this up later. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a regular appearance on Crime World. <laughs> yeah, I was like, so, you know, I'll figure that out later. I mean, so there we go. So, but like, I mean, I think he, did he say like, you know, that it doesn't hinge from the prosecution's perspective. This uh, case doesn't hinge on memories. It hinges on two real planks of evidence that he that according to the prosecution um allow allow it to be inescapable conclusion that that no long murdered um nor sheen and he said one of them was forensic evidence and one of them was the dna profiling the dna profiling yeah so actually on the point of evidence um he did also acknowledge that there was some exhibits missing so there was over 200 pieces of evidence or 200 exhibits um that and some of them are lost or unavailable um, in the fact that obviously some of the exhibits are going to be statements from witnesses who have who've died. And while, you know, some it can be brought into trial, but they didn't bring in. So, I mean, you weren't seeing people on the stand. No, I mean, their they're evidence. Not, yeah, they're not there. They're not here to do it. Exactly. And therefore they can't, from the defense perspective, they can't be cross-examined on, on it. Exactly. But exactly. it's allowed to be admitted, I think, and and you know, build a picture, I suppose. Absolutely. And, you know, he did as well say that all of the evidence that is needed to convict is available. Like he he said not to focus on what, what's not available. He should con- concentrate on the evidence before them rather than the matters that are not available to them. So he kind of went into the fact that Nora Sheehan was last seen after going to hospital. So we've, we've spoke about that before. She had a dog bite. She was agitated and upset, but she had no other injuries, really. She was bandaged up and given a tetanus and was sent on her way. Um, she was offered stitches as well, but didn't take them. We heard that yesterday. Um, she, what she was wearing on witnesses, the nurse that attended to her that night was on the stand and she said that she was wearing a dress, a coat, a hat with a ribbon and carrying a bag. Um, and her son, James, said that she would speak to anybody um, and she was seen at various times and places outside the hospital that night before and afterwards now the thing that comes into play here is that she was she was known to kind of approach cars and what she would do is she would 
she was kind of one person noted that she had shouted, open the boot, let out the body. Um, she seemed to have kind of this peculiarity where she wanted to look in boots of cars for, for bodies. Um, and that was something that came, you know, a couple of people had said. Um, she was also seen around, last seen at a place called Casey's Cross. Um, and that night she had heard, somebody had recalled that she'd previously heard Nora Sheehan saying that she, uh, that all the bodies are down there beyond Casey's Cross. So another barman then seen her at 4 a.m. Um, and he noted that he thought that she was in her 60s or 70s because of how well she was dressed. Um, she was wearing, again, she was wearing that hat and that dress and that coat with her bag. Um, and Grehan pointed out that the totality of evidence can be derived that she and her habit of engaging with traffic, that it was her. And of course, from the prosecution's perspective, they're saying that they can also place no long in that the same area where the victim was um, within a broad time frame similar. And that a lot of that was based on the fact that he visited a friend there and that it was uncontested I think it was described yeah it was you know the the defense didn't contest that it was that his friend a a man named Donald Boyle who also took to the stand and he said that Noel Long had called up to his home that evening in his Opal Cadet which is the car that he was pulled over in um, a number of days after the body was found Um, so he was putting Noel in the town in that area on the evening of that Nora Sheehan vanished. And again, Grehan kind of did note that, you know, Noel Long is not the most unluckiest man in the world. Like when somebody is murdered, everyone in the world can be a suspect, but you you use logic and you kind of break it down. Well, they were out of the country. They were in Galway or they were, you know, not anywhere near. And you kind of bring it down into this closer area. And then coupling that with the evidence that um, there was fibres and debris from Noel's car on Nora Sheen's body, which again went uncontested. And the fact that her his partial DNA sample was found in her vagina, um, that also narrows it down to him. So he was like, it's not a series of, co- a series of coincidences. This is, yeah. this, I this mean, is that's, what happened and this is who it is that did it. That's, of course, the prosecution's case. I mean, they went into some of the, the figures around the DNA sample, um, you know, they, they, I think they said the DNI profile is a one in twenty three thousand um, case of of it not being related to. It. Now there was some very technical evidence, of course, from both the prosecution and the defence about the DNA sample. But what's the sort of how did they the the prosecution, uh, you know, present this evidence? I suppose. Yeah, the DNA was it's it's like it is a complex science. We're not yeah, scientists. No. We're not able to exactly explain it one hundred percent. But what happened was. Um, back in 1981, when the original postmortem took place, Dr. Coakley took a swab from her vagina and that was taken. And another Dr. Creedon, he had, when he took it into Forensic Science Ireland, what he did was he basically was able to take the biological material from that cotton swab and he placed it between glass and glued it together and kept it closed. And that went into storage in a fridge in Forensic Science Ireland and was retrieved in 2008. So they say, you know, they're so grateful that he obviously had done that because otherwise all DNA, not all DNA evidence, but that particular piece of evidence, which is what they have left, um, you know, that would have been gone. So basically what he did was he separated the male DNA from the female DNA. The male DNA was eventually matched uh, partially. There was only a partial DNA profile in that sample. um, And that is put down to the fact that the case is so old. You know, that DNA was taken so long ago. There obviously is bacterial... um, activity in the vagina and also the fact that you know the DNA wasn't taken until 
you know, the, the body was decomposing. So there sure. could be issues there as well. So once he was able to separate that, he had his, you know, he was able to see that there was spermatosa in the male sample, um, which was expected. And in the female sample, they were able to see that it was female and they expected it to be because they knew that they took it from the vagina. Yeah. From there, they were able to match the samples. Um, they believed that to be no long sample. They yeah. were able to match the, the the vaginal sample to Nora Sheehan because they also had a blood stain belonged to her that they were able to test. It wasn't until um, 2021 into 2022 when they actually got a um, warrant to search Noel's home where they were able to take personal items. And from here, they got the beanie hat that has been a huge part of this yeah. case. They were able to take a full profile and it was matched to that sperm sample um, to say that this partially matched to No Long. Now, Basically, they, they they do a ratio um to try and explain what the likelihood yeah, is. Yeah, so of like this. I mean, the DNA, like you know, it's there's always there's always a ratio. Yeah, where you're saying like nothing is a a match like this hundred percent. No matter what, I mean, even in the most, uh, you know, in other cases where you could have it's, it's a chance of one in a billion that it's not a match. Yeah. So there's never it's never just as simple as A equals A equals B, right? So there's always this this ratio. Which means that, according to the to the prosecution and the experts, they have produced that this sample matches no long within this degree of of within this ratio, which is basically a normal odds of like you'd get on a horse one to two. Yes, yes. And in this case, of course, it's a much higher number according to the prosecution. So there's not an exact match is not what it is, but it's a match within the the context of these numbers. Exactly. Well, now we're not great on numbers on our <laughs> no. time world, but give us give us what what was said in court. Um, so what was said in court was that in Dr. Whitaker's expression, yeah. um, he said that the chances of somebody else having the profile was one in twenty three thousand. Now that is based off the UK population, yeah, because like they said in court, you can't take a DNA sample from everyone in the world. So they kind of had to do it on their DNA database. Yeah. However, obviously in Ireland, we've got a, a very different population number. Um, so translating it in terms of the Irish database, it would make it one in 20,000 right. that it matched. Um, so, you know, he did again go on about how DNA was such a good proven science. Um, there was some issue about the fact that, or issue made of the fact that um, the method used by Dr. Whitaker was called low copy number yeah. method, um, which was something that he had developed himself along with another doctor, or he was, you know, part of the pioneering team that, that came up with the method. And it was used in, it was, it was only used for a very short period of time. It was used in the OMA bombing case. Yeah. Um, and because the judge in that case wasn't satisfied about the the validity of this, of the science, yeah. he actually paused it that, that them from using, they stopped, them from using that method for a while yeah. um, until it was validated and they could go ahead and start using it again. But they only used it up until 2012. Right. Okay, so this this is giving you the the, the the ratio. Yeah. The probability, I suppose, is what it is. So it's an exercise in probability. Um, and obviously the, the defense, which you go on to now, the different version of, of, of that. But they're saying, they're giving you, this, this is a probability. And also then the defense case says, well, you know, there's other bits. There's a one in 20,000 chance, but there's also then the fact that they can place no long within the area at the time um, and that they have these these forensic samples from his car. So that's the, the really the, the overall 
picture of 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 the prosecution case, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, coming to the end of of his closing speech, um, he said, "What are the odds that it could have been somebody else who shared what no long shared in this case?" you know, between the DNA and the opal cadet being in the area. He said, here you have a man who happens to live a couple of kilometers away from Nora um, and he happened to be visiting a friend close to where she went missing. He happened to own that car that was stopped. And there was also as well um, evidence given from the guard technical team who had done the original um, forensic sampling of the car that they had suggested that it had been recently cleaned. They seemed to have been recently valid. Um, and he also brought that into, into the closing of a speech that he happened to own that car that was cleaned and was connected to Norsheen by way of fibres of particles. He said, this is a man whose DNA sample is found to match the depositor of the sperm found in Norsheen's vagina. Again, saying this can't all be coincidence. That can't be that no long is the unluckiest man. It just uh, it just isn't a question of coincidence. He then went on to say, nor she had met her death by the man who assaulted her and all evidence points in one direction, the inexplicable conclusion that she was murdered and her murderer is no long. Okay. And that was, you know, that's their case, of course. And then the defence obviously come on and they give, you know, the, the case that, that the case that no long is, is there isn't evidence to convict him of murder. I mean, it, you know, one of the, the interesting I suppose things that they focused in on at the start was the lack of uh, cause of death. Obviously, yes. you know, I think they said that we can't even say that what happened was a murder, that it's been referred to as a murder throughout the trial from various people, but that is not uh, proven according to them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, they only had the... Defence only had one witness and that was Dr. Mary Cassidy. What she did was we heard on, you know, I spoke to Nicola about this in the last episode, but basically what she had to do was she had um, to take Dr. Coakley's report, the original pathologist's report. It was not signed. What she did was she took the original report by Dr. Coakley. She reviewed it in 2010 and she came to her own conclusions. Now, he wasn't trained as a forensic pathologist where she is. She was the state pathologist for a number of years, for a long time, um, 14 years, I believe. And she basically you know, interpreted all the evidence. So she had body sketches, she had photographs of the deceased, she had all those samples and she came to her own conclusion. And her conclusion was that she couldn't actually say exactly how she died. Um, she put forward some possibilities. Uh, she said asphyxia ex ex was a possibility, but it wasn't beyond reasonable doubt. Um, she also suggested that perhaps she was smothered with a hand over her mouth, but there was no um, support of, of that hypothesis in that there was no tearing of Nora Sheen's lips. There was no purple face or particular hemorrhages in the eyes, which would be very, very symptomatic of being strangled or asphyxiated. And he said, looking at the circumstantial evidence, it could only mean one thing, but it doesn't um, because she couldn't definitively say how she had died. Yeah. Um, you know, there is you know, that question over, was it yeah. murder or was it an accident? Because she suggested as well that she was asked, you know, could she have had a heart attack or yeah. arrhythmia or something like that? And she said, while there was no details of the heart and um, there was no evidence of like blocked arteries or anything like that, but arrhythmia is something where the heart starts beating really fast out of nowhere. There was no evidence of that. And that generally isn't seen in kind of, yeah. in a heart. Um, so I mean, the defence are, are putting this forward then that, that without being able to defend, if you say the cause of death is murder due to, you know, whatever manner, that there are other possible scenarios and that because of these possible scenarios, that that uh, means that something is not beyond a reasonable doubt. I mean, that was how they they opened up their defence. They went through some of these, as you said, some of these other cases 
uh, or some of these other possibilities of how this woman could have died. Then they focused it on on the forensics and the DNA. I think they probably all, both the prosecution and defense, these agreed these are the three things, the cause of the, the manner of death, the forensic, the samples taken from the car, and then the DNA. Um, and he, I think the defense said it's wholly dependent on forensic science. And then they, you know, sort of maybe discussed the low count number DNA things and basically said, you know, that in order to convict, you have to place an enormous degree of trust in science. Yeah, so that's, that is what he said. He said um, DNA evidence to the extent that the professionals rely on, you need to ask yourself if you're sure that the DNA evidence from Dr. Whitaker was correct. Um, he again specified it was a method with limited life cycle and the use of that method outside a lab um, of the, outside of the UK was limited. It wasn't something that was able to be done here in Ireland. That's why it had to be sent to the UK. Again, he mentioned how controversial it was during the OMA bombing ruling. Again, he mentioned that the DNA wasn't quantified before testing. So they didn't quantify how much DNA they had before testing it. But we heard from Kristen O'Connor before from Forensic Science Ireland that one of the steps in forensic testing of DNA was to quantify how much DNA there is there. However, while it was never put to Dr. Whitaker that the result was wrong, um, the defence said it was up to the prosecution to argue, argue that it is correct beyond reasonable doubt. And he also mentioned that because there was this swab that went missing the, and all of the DNA was used up by Dr. Whitaker, the defence had no opportunity to independently verify that the DNA on that swab was actually belonged to no long. Um, he also said it was important not to overstate the importance of the DNA. He said it's yet to be proven that a person's DNA is unique. Now, the only, only case where two people have the exact same DNA is when you're twins because yeah. the egg is split in two in the womb so that the DNA is the exact same in both. With, ident with um, twins who are unidentical, they both have their own yeah. sets of DNA because they are two separate eggs. So, I mean, he's basically, he, he's, he's putting to the jury that, that, you know, that this is this science that that it's not necessarily understandable always to us but that it's a in order to convict somebody solely on this basis that there is elements of doubt in there in the science in the science of dna you know and it's up to the jury to under to to maybe from his perspective say that that puts a reasonable doubt on the conviction um absolutely like you did say dna and science isn't infallible yeah um and like you know Another part of this was the fact that there was these paint flakes in the yeah. car. So I think there was up over 40 pieces of paint and debris that were found in No Long's car were also found on different parts of Nora Sheehan's clothing and under her fingernails. Um, and he said that while there was a match, again, it was important not to overstate that match because he said none of the paint flakes were unusual or none of them were very unique yeah. in their own way. Um but again, he said that, you know, the ingredients of murder were twofold. Yeah. He went on to say that the prosecution must prove an unlawful killing, that her death was caused by unlawful means. And the time of the killing, um, they need to prove that the accused intended to kill. Whereas yeah. this is where it got kind of interesting. He said, otherwise it's manslaughter. Yeah. Um, he said the intent to cause serious injury. So the part of the definition of murder is that you intend to cause serious injury or death to somebody. So, you know, he was kind of talking about this, that there's no precise definition in law of 
serious injury, like there's no precise def- definition yeah. of reasonable doubt. It is up to the jury to determine that themselves. Um, the prosecution can't say exactly how she met her death, but um, the only pathologist that they did hear from was Dr. Cassidy. And she was the one, she was approached to give report by the serious crime review team. So he was just pointing out that she was, she was approached by the prosecution yeah. to do this and not by the defence. And just because she was called by the defence in instead of the prosecution, he asked the jury not to attach any less weight to her evidence. Um, her basic view was that the cause of death was unascertained, but she did put forward those different possibilities. Um, she also put forward that she may have had a heart attack during the, cur- the course of an assault because we did hear evidence that she had been kind of beaten around the head, that there yeah. was injuries there, but there wasn't many internal injuries to her that could have caused her death either. But it is clear from the circumstances that she met her death by foul play. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a very um, uh, interesting case. Um, Obviously, the way it works then, the the judge will sum up, he'll give legal directions, maybe, you know, give directions on on, on stuff for the jury that they need to know. Um, And then he sent the jury out to deliberate. So we could expect a verdict. um, You know, there's no way of knowing these things, of course. But there could be a verdict in in the near future and we'll certainly continue to follow that. You're going down again today? Absolutely. On my way down to the court at the moment, we're expecting the judge to tell the jury what will be on the charge sheet. So his charge at the moment is murder. Um, So yeah, we'll we'll have a verdict within the next... Well, it's it's always hard. Yeah, well, probably probably sooner. But these things are a long piece of string. Exactly, exactly. Okay, Clodagh, thanks very much. Thank you, Noel. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.